Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honour to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Dede Di Geronimo about seeking. JJ is a three-time award-winning author and speaker. She's passionate about helping women raise their frequencies and empower their future impact. JJ's story is one of overcoming obstacles and finding her true purpose. After 25 years in the tech industry, JJ hit a wall of overproducing, over-delivering and over-committing. She was questioning all aspects of her life and felt like she was her own worst enemy. She tried drinking more wine, sabotaging her marriage, and even considered driving away and never returning. Eventually, JJ realized that she needed to make a change. She started by seeking professional help and began a journey of self-discovery. She learned how to set boundaries, say no, and take care of herself. And she also began to explore her spiritual side and connect with her inner power. JJ's transformation was profound. She went from feeling overwhelmed to feeling connected to a higher purpose, which led to a determination to share her findings with more women. Welcome, JJ. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for the work you do. This is amazing. Well, it is amazing. And it's amazing to meet people like you who are also doing amazing work. So I'm so glad we're connected and having this opportunity to chat today. Me too. Me too. That's for sure. This is a big topic and it's one I don't think a lot of people really talk about. So I'm excited to dive in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know it's something we could talk about all day and look at it in so many different dimensions, but we've got to start somewhere. So let's start talking about your book, which is indeed titled Seeking. And maybe you can tell a bit about what motivates you to write this book. Well, You know, I'm never thinking, oh, I'm going to write a book, but I'm a human design three. So three is a big trial and error. So I feel like I run around in my life trying and trying and trying. And for all of my books, what I do is I bring back best practices, strategies that work, connections that I think people should have, books should they should read. And uh, I feel like the appendix of this book seeking is is quite dense because I wanted to share all the resources that I use to really find more joy in my life. Absolutely. And it was amazing. I remember reading through the appendix and thinking, wow, JJ's done a lot of research uh, and a lot of own seeking that you found things useful in your life. And thank you for sharing those. Yes, yes. Well, I think a lot of people think that when they do the work, when they get the title, when they finally get into that zip code or get that bonus, that they're magically going to have this epiphany of energy that makes them feel happy. And I feel like the carrot, in fact, in the book, I write the oasis of success. I feel like the carrot is constantly inching away from us that you never really get there. And I think so many people think when they get there, they're going to have joy, but there just keeps moving and moving and moving. And, you know, then you're 30, 40, 50, 60 being like, what the heck happened? Where was that joy? Did I miss that pit stop? 
Right, absolutely, absolutely. So moving goalposts, but, and also we change, obviously, as, as we move through life. So what brought us joy maybe when we were in our 20s is not the same thing in our 50s. So that also mm. is in the mix there. But I loved your book for so many reasons, uh, and, and one of the reasons that I loved it so much was all the different quotes and the different pearls of wisdom that you put in there. And one which I've thought about quite a bit, which I haven't still got my head around, is that you wrote... What society has laid out does not align with women's souls. And that really made me start to think. So I was wondering if you could expand a little bit upon that. Well, the way I look at life is that we we have both have masculine and feminine energy. So when I say women's souls, I probably should say feminine energy in a lot of ways because the world is very masculine in nature. And if you want to be successful, you often have to lean into that masculinity energy that you have within. And when you do that, you sort of back seat your intuition or your knowing or your connection to self or even your collaboration. And I feel like society's plan, which is so heavily in the masculine, doesn't really give much credit to our intuition, to our knowing, to our connection to one another. And honestly, is a deficit at this point for what's happening in the world. Yeah. Do you see that shifting at the moment? Um, And if it is shifting, is it like, tiny grains of sand shifting or are you seeing a big shift happening well i'm 50 and i would say that definitely in the last eight years there's been more of a shift than the previous 40 years i would say i think women are finding their voices i think the planet's getting a little bit more self-aware of kind of what's happening we've been in denial or we just don't want to deal with our choices and then just the the upheaval of so many things from environmental to women's rights to health to wildfires. I mean, so much is happening. And I feel like we're all going to have to work together to solve some of these bigger problems. And some of us are going to have to use skill sets that we've never really tapped into or only have tapped into as a child or infrequently. So I think it's really teeing us up to really lean more into our knowing and our connection with each other and with the planet. Yeah, no, I I like that. I I definitely feel there is a shift happening. um, I I think even amongst men in business, when I, when I meet with, with some CEOs and other people that there is more of an authenticity, there is a more of a a belief in togetherness than there was before. But on the other hand, I feel that, you know, the pandemic and now the cost of living crisis, both of those seem to be putting a barrier against that, whether that's a real barrier or a perceived barrier. But it does feel that recently it's been a bit more hard to make traction than it seemed a few years ago. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we're all under a shift in a lot of ways. I think there's no accidents on what's happening on the planet, uh, both personally and globally. And I think that it's really forcing us to decide which frequency or energy do we want to be at, right? Do we want to be at this doom, gloom, fear energy, or do we want to be in like the solutions, working together, raising our impact and i think we get to decide as humans which side of the the bench or fence we want to be on right now and i mean if you ask me i definitely want to be on that higher frequency absolutely and the good news is if you look at it as opportunities rather than problems there are so many 
different things we can hang our hat on in today's world, so many things that we could work towards. So whether that's, you know, environmental or social or political, it seems that there are many opportunities for everybody to find a cause that they can feel passionate about and be part of the solution for. Mm, Yeah, if we're open to it, I think that's the thing. Like, you can, you get to choose. That's the most beautiful part of the whole equation as a human is you get to choose. And you can choose if you want to be like beating yourself up, beating other people up, being negative, picking the, like the downside of every situation, or you get to choose if you want to have gratitude, love, and connection. And the beautiful thing is whatever you choose is fine because your lessons will come in those experiences. But I have learned now after decades of doing this that I really prefer to be in the gratitude and love section. So I find gratitude and love in everything. Uh, even my son broke his kneecap this weekend. And I was like, oh, this is so great because he could have flown into the street and been hit by a car because he was on a skateboard. Um, or something could have happened that evening that was, you know, much worse than the knee, which is not really that great. But I know that God's got him. I know that everything is happening for him and that this is just part of his journey. And I feel like I really choose to be in gratitude and appreciation and recognizing that this is happening for me, for us as an opportunity to grow and learn. And I feel like that shift within shifts without. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Or shifts the outside. Yeah, shifts the outside. So the inside shift shifts the outside shift. Yeah, there definitely needs to be this sort of self-focus and that realization of the choices that we have. I think, you know, we've created a world in which we're, we're told so often, either directly or indirectly, that we don't really have a choice, that things are sort of decided and we're just part of a, a bigger machine just doing our thing. And to break out of that and actually realize how much choice you actually have during your day, during your week, during your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have a lot about gratitude in there and how much I've had to really practice that. And I feel like, I feel like the energy of the planet wants you to check out. It wants you to live in fear. It wants you to believe you don't have a choice because, you know, if we're going to shift the energy of the planet it's really going to take all of us, at least us, I should say all the folks that are in the positive camp over here, that it's going to take us to work together and we're going to have to overcome things. And if the first step is overcoming that negativity, that disbelief, that I have no choice, you know, mindset. Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the challenges I think we have as humans is the negativity bias that we have within us. And, and you know, so when we looked at that, I think it's 70% of our natural decisions, if we don't um, cognitively do otherwise, will be negative. And so it's not that we're in a 50-50 mode as humans, but we have this natural tendency towards negativity, which requires this proactiveness in actually making those positive choices, deciding to be positive, deciding to be grateful, because we're not naturally neutral. And that was a big epiphany to me when I when I looked into the science of that and realized, wow, actually, yeah. And, and so then the media has actually doubled down on that. When I did research into that, it was basically eight out of 10 headlines were negative. 
Oh, sure. And I think it's like, this is the, this is my, totally my belief. And I'd love to share it with you because I feel like it's been such an awakening for me. So I was negative. I was in the mud puddle along with so many other people back in 2010. And I didn't realize it because everyone I was around was the same way. And I did an inventory of everything I said to myself, or I actually left my lips. Was it positive or was it negative? And at the time, I would not have said I was negative, but the self-evaluation, you know, what you're saying, 70% of my comments were negative, even if they never left my head. And I feel like for many of us that are awakening to the energy and the opportunity that really exists for us here is we're recognizing that we do have a choice. And I believe that when we are brought onto this planet, that all of us get this teardrop of light from the higher source, whatever you call it. I choose to call it God, but whatever it is for you, but it's a higher light and a teardrop is dropped into each one of us of this beautiful, connective, just delicious light. And it's buried deep down in our souls. And when we turn our eyes on as humans and we move through life, we have this protective mechanism, kind of like the eggshell, right? Around an egg that is constantly bouncing things off, right? Don't come in, don't come in. And I feel like the real work of a human is learning how to penetrate that hard surface into the light so that we can live in that glorious light that brings us together, that is full of love and gratitude and allows us to really enlighten our load, enlighten our path, and bring us more alignment to why we've chosen to come down here as humans. But it takes work. It's just not something that's handed over on a platter to us. And that's really what the book includes are really many of the steps that I took to break through that shell. Absolutely. I think it's fascinating because, you know, when you read the research on babies and, and you see, you know, how basically joyful and, and happy and positive babies are. Um, and then, you know, life happens. And as you say, this, this shell probably gets harder and thicker as we go on um, through our development process until it becomes uh, a negative force in our lives. It starts out as an important protection, I think. And then somehow that protection becomes actually self-defeating in a way. And then for us to realize this and to have tools through things like your book to help you work on that is amazing. And and there's so many aspects of your book. You know, we could talk about all of them, but I think I'd like to focus on just a couple today. One is something personal I know I've struggled with, which is self-imposed guilt. Um, I was born and not born a Catholic, I suppose I was raised a Catholic. Um, and that, that gave me a, as my cousin would say, it gave me A grades in guilt and shame. Um, and it gives us a lot of challenges. And, but you talk about that in your book about, you know, how we could perhaps successfully sidestep this self-imposed guilt. Yes, yes. And religion is one of those things that it is a tool and can help many people. It can help many people, but it is also a business in a lot of ways. And it's run by humans. So, you know, there is fault just like there is in all of us. And I feel like if you can find the good that helps inspire you, be a better person, aligns you with that bright golden light and makes you pause before you make decisions, gives you that inner compass, that's wonderful. But if it gives you too much guilt and makes you feel like you can't really connect to the higher light without third party, 
Um, then I think some soul searching is in place to really find your connection with your light. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how, how does somebody go about that? If somebody's listening to this and says, yeah, you know what? You know, I, I often feel guilty about the choices I make. And I think it's something I hear from a lot of women I talk to who are trying to juggle so many things, um, a lot of externalities that they many of them end up feeling guilty when they're trying to focus on this inner work. Mm, yeah, something yes. you've come across. Well, yes, I'm a mother of two that are still in school here and they live in the house. And, you know, I have shared the journey with that because I feel like I'm only if we can't take care of ourselves and carve time out for ourselves, how would our kids give themselves permission to do so? So they're soon going to be adults. And if we're running ourselves ragged all the time, we're only teaching them to run themselves ragged. And like, that's not what I want to teach my kids. That's not necessary and not important you know, to be a good person, you don't have to be all things to all people. And in fact, I have many strategies in the book that I've used to really assess how I move through my day. Like, are my yeses aligning to where I want to have more influence and impact, or are they depleting me? And in fact, I'll include a chart I use called the power of no, um, that gives people very specific steps, a six column chart that you can look at everything you say yes to and say, is this, you know, is this the right yes for me right now? And that's something I learned back in book number one, because I've had so many people that were entrepreneurs and women in business that said, you have to mind your time, mind your time, which at the time I didn't really know what that meant, but I kept asking questions. I kept learning and trying to understand how to do it. And I created a chart called the power of no, which really helped me and now tens of thousands of professionals trying to figure out like, what is the best use of my time right now? And does it align to where I am or where I want to go next with my energy and my impact? And I think giving you these tools will help you to pick the right things to focus on now and allow you to recognize that there will be guilt, but it's not enough guilt to not pick you. Did I say that double negative, right? Not pick you. Um, Yeah, but it gives you an actual resource and tool so that you will learn to pick yourself because honestly, you will be more powerful in your actions if you do less, but align to the right activities. Right, and that's super, super important to share that, that knowledge. And I think, you know, your book has a lot of these tips which help on a very practical level so you can get the concept but then you get some nice tools to actually help you reflect but then also implement that so i think that that's wonderful and i love the section about money money's um something i've also struggled with a little bit um in my life with 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 guilt and having a negative um feelings about money previously um and and so in your book you talk about it and you talk about a book um, by Lynn Twist called The Soul of Money. And you described, I think, use the word mind-blowing and not just eye-opening. So, so why did you say that? Well, Lynn Twist gave me permission to look at money as a frequency and recognize that money is only a piece of paper and we give it the power. And are you giving money a negative frequency, like where it's always like you're trying to get it, but you can't keep it and you're chasing it all the time? Or is it a frequency that empowers you and the work that you want to do moving forward? And I listened to that book 
very slowly. I've listened to it a couple of times and it took me a long time to just really get my mind wrapped around money being a tool um, rather than money being something that I'm constantly chasing. And that's, that's good because it shifts that, as you say, that frequency, that energy that you attach to it, which I think is super important when we're in a world where there's sort of, I think, a, a big imbalance of, of where the money is and what it's being used for. And I think, you know, a lot can be done by people who are doing good work in the world if they can maybe shift more of the attitude towards money and, and call in more money to actually be able then to do more good in the world. Completely, completely. And in fact, I have three chapters on money because I feel like it's just so, so instrumental, especially for people that want to invest in themselves so that they can invest in the world. And I think for me, I put money as a hurdle for many, and I was definitely one. And then money, is it abundance or fear in your life? And how do you view it? And when does it change for you? And, you know, and money carries the frequency we give it. And it is just I believe that lesson uh, and work that I've done around money has been instrumental in my path. Absolutely. And I can recommend anybody, you know, if they do happen to pick up your book to to look at those three sections on money, definitely well worth the read. And uh, maybe also pick up the, the Soul of Money book as well and dig into that one to to double down on, on how that can actually be a, a powerful, positive force in our lives. So I love yes. that. I love that. Yes. Um, guilt. We talked a little bit about one of the thing when I talk to people in our um, joyful community, one of the things they struggle with is, is making change happen, making changes happen in their lives. So we talk a lot about that. And obviously there are tools to help with that. But one of the things that they come back with is that they doubt themselves, this feeling that, can I change? Can I be different from what my boss, my my husband, my children, what they think I am? And do I have permission to change? And so I think it has a negative impact on, on many people's lives. Mm-hmm. So how do you think they can maybe go about overcoming some of their self-doubts? What are the, some of the tools that that you used in your life. Yes, yes. Well, I would say that my first two books are really about, you know, kind of external activations. My first book is really about moms with young children that are trying to make it in the world and business. My second book is how to get to that executive level, how to, you know, get on those boards. And what I recognized after those two books is like, you can keep striving outward to please and do and be, but the reality is, if you don't change the inside, the outside is never going to change. So seeking for me is really digging into my stories, digging into how I talk to myself, digging into the tools that I use to really raise my energy. Because when I am kind of working at a 94.5, I think of energy and frequency very similar to old radio stations, right? Like frequency modulation is FM radio. So if are you at a 92.7? Are you at a 98.4? Are you at 102.7? It doesn't really matter where you are, but if your life is not working for you and you feel very guilt ridden and you feel stressed out and you feel like life is against you, you really do need to raise your frequency. And so the first thing I do is I pay attention to how I talk to myself. 
right? Mindfulness has been an incredible tool for me to be mindful what I say in my mind, like mindful of my thoughts, because you can compartmentalize that negative energy, that guilt-ridden story, the thing your family member told you when you were four that keeps resurfacing. So really thinking about how you talk to yourself and do you need to compartmentalize that too? What do you watch and listen to, right? Are you watching scary crap all the time on TV? Are you watching the news all the time? Are you on TikTok just wasting your time? Then you could be filling your bucket with really positive, impactful books, podcasts like yours and discussions, right? And then how do you interact with other people? And I think for many of us, if we really mind those three things and we work on raising our energy up, our external will change. It's just inevitable. It has to, because when we raise our frequency, we attract the higher frequency. So if you're dying in your decisions, your calendar, your guilt, your I shoulds, you need to take a pause and really start to find strategies to get that energy higher. And that's what I've done in Seeking as I've included everything I've done to raise my frequency. And then I talked specifically on how my external has shifted. And I believe anybody can do this. And I've included tons of energy practitioners, books and resources that have helped me that I'm confident can help other people too, because planet needs us, right? The planet needs us. Our kids need us and our family members and people that we love. And I think for all of us, if we just focused on raising our energy, we could shift the energy of the planet. So let me just recap that, JJ. So the three things as a starter, starter menu would be to take note of how you're talking to yourself and change the the way you talk. The second one would be to be mindful of what media or externalities you're consuming. So, What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Are they adding to your cup or are they depleting you energetically? And thirdly, your interactions. Is that the third one? How you, who you're communicating with, um, how you're communicating. Is that sort of a fair summary of the three things? Yes, that's fantastic. And I think for many of us, like we just need to do the self-inventory and really work within because so much of society makes us feel like we have to work externally and go there to get it or be that or wear that or say that. But really everything externally is really what's happening internally. So if you don't like your view, you can change it from the inside out. Well, I love that. I love that. And I'm a big fan of tips. So when I was sort of reading your book, I was sort of going through and started ticking off tips and, and I sort of ran out of numbers, basically, <laughs> getting oh. through your book. It, it was so full of, of many things that to do. And and so I'm just wondering, from your own personal perspective, can you name just, you know, two or three or three or so that, that you were really helpful for you and you find that maybe you would like to suggest to others at this moment? Well, I'm going to open it up because it has 74 key findings. So I'm going to open it up. Here's tip number 48. We have chosen certain relationships because of the lessons these people offer us for our growth. Okay, I like that. I like that. So it's not thinking them as necessarily being just a negative person, but being there, that giving you a lesson for a reason. 
Yeah, our relationships are our biggest lessons. So if you really think life is happening for me rather than life is happening to me, the people that come into your life are here to teach you lessons that are critical to your self-growth. And so thinking of your relationships as lessons rather than headaches or unfortunate situations, asking yourself, like, what is the lesson? What is the lesson in this relationship? Because you have seen, as I have, I'm sure, somebody breaks up with somebody, they go to the next person, they're back right back into the situation again, right? The person wears different clothes, different address, different physical physique, but they're in the same lesson. Correct, yeah. It tends to get harder if you don't learn it. I've learned that in life. So it's just best mm. to learn your lessons and move on to the next yes. lesson. Rather than yeah, so that's probably one of mine. I'll pick exit. another one too. Let's see. Another yeah. one would be... Oh, key finding number 16. The internal tug may be your guide towards something more meaningful. So if you have an internal tug, like things are just not where they want to be, you're just not feeling settled, you feel like there's more in your life, that could be your sign that there's more for you. And that's basically what happened to me is I just had this internal struggle of unsettledness. And even though I had an amazing career and a great relationship, my internals were saying, mm, this is not it exactly. So it really sent me on a journey of seeking. And how did you clear space in your head to listen to that voice? Oh, gosh. Well, I went to a therapist first, right? Because where else do you go? And luckily, my therapist was like, you really need to take mindfulness training. And I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that you would even suggest such a silly thing. So I declined and then I went back again and she said, if you come back again and didn't start mindfulness, we're done. And I feel like she was really a guide in my life because had she not really pushed me to do it, I would have never done it. And I would have never written this book because mindfulness is really the ability to mind your thoughts and your thoughts directly impact your actions and feelings. And so if you're not minding how you're talking to yourself, what you're thinking about, the stories you ever on replay, it's going to be hard to shift your energy. And so I really think the best thing anyone can do is just maybe start, you know, an online mindfulness course or go to a John, John Kabat-Zinn class, or it's really just, it's, it's like step one of many that gives you that additional insight to really help you shift your frequency. Wonderful. Wonderful. And you're going to give us one more, one final, final favorite. Well, you know what? I think I want to talk about, which I think is just the best, is that 74 was no accident, right? So 74 uh, was a spiritual number, right? The number seven and four combined represent letting go of conditioning or patterns we have collected along the way that have been holding us back, right? And then if you do seven plus four equals 11, the number 11 reminds us of knowing, of our knowing and of our intuition with a powerful connection, to the universe, ourselves, and others. And then if you say one plus one is two, if you're into numerology, the spiritual number two highlights a partnership with the universe, our inner self, and one another to work together to co-create a higher role on Earth. It doesn't seem that there is a, a sort of a randomness to that number 74. It seems very appropriate for your book. Yes, yes. So feel free if anyone's reading it, wants to DM me, or you guys want to talk about it a specific section in your group. I just love it. And I feel like any of us can get there if we give ourselves the space and permission. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're more than happy to obviously share the link and more information about you and where people can get in touch with you 
My final question, really about your future. What's next for you, JJ? Well, the universe has been so gracious. And through all of my work, it has really granted me this opportunity to work at this new space on Lake Erie. It is truly a healing space. And I started retreats four or five years ago, and it's a new place I can have retreats, but even more so the energy there, the pyramids. I've had many energy practitioners, mediums, and light workers there. And it is a place I think that we will all gather if we are called to do so at some point in time together in person. Wow. Fantastic. I look forward to finding out more about that. And I can't let you go without asking you an extra, extra final question about what brings you joy. I think joy comes in my choices now, my choices to honor who I am, my choices to choose gratitude, and my choice to really focus on things that are positive, are full of gratitude, and are really done in love. And the more I do that, the more joy I experience. Excellent. Well, that's a fantastic answer. Choices, it's we have many of them to make wise ones and joyful ones. So thank you, JJ. It's been such a pleasure and a joy chatting with you today. Thank you, Andrew. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Excellent. And I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I do. And I hope you feel inspired by JJ to simply seek. And if you're not already a member of the Year of Joy community, please visit our website, theartandscienceofjoy.com, to find out more and join. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you tune in for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful, and keep on seeking.